0: Welcome to Knives and Roses podcast. I'm Hillary with my co-host Amy, reviewing the suspense and romantic suspense novels you'll want to add to your TBR pile. Welcome to Knives and Roses podcast. I'm Hillary.
1: Should I introduce myself too?
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay. And I'm Amy.
0: And we're here to talk about our um, favorite suspense books from this week. Amy, what have you been reading?
1: I have been reading The Cry in the Dark by Jessica Patch, and it has been intense and delightful. What have you been reading?
0: I've been reading He Should Have Told the Bees by Amanda Cox. And it was suspenseful, um, but more thoughtful thoughtful and um, heart-rending, perhaps, than suspenseful and scary like Jessica's books can be
1: well it would be hard to top the suspense that I read this week I know that but there are different types of suspense and different types of tension and all of them are important in their own way and in their own time so I'm sure it was still a delight um who was your favorite character in the book
0: um so Fern was my favorite character and Fern is introduced because there's, there's two main characters, Beck and Callie and Beck is taking care of the farm. Her father's just passed away and she goes out to take care of the bees. And this child shows up and introduces herself as an alien from another planet. Oh dear. And um, turns out her name is Fern and she has created this entire make-believe world and she becomes Beck's best friend and Beck takes time with her and shows her how the farm works and she also becomes Beck's protector and I just love her because like any 10-year-old child, she says any and everything that she thinks about and she adds a little bit of comic relief. But she's also such a loyal friend, uh, and I just I just love Fern Beekeeper Beckett Walsh is living her dream, working alongside her father in their apiary until his untimely death sends her world into a tailspin. She suddenly finds she must deal with a new part owner of the family business, one who's looking to sell the property. Beck cannot fathom why her father would put her into the position to lose everything they built together. When Callie Peterson is named in the trust of a man she's never heard of, she's not sure what to do. Her fledgling business has just taken wing and her mother has reentered her life asking for help getting into rehab for her lifelong substance abuse issues, making Callie's financial situation rather precarious. She's sure she has no right to someone else's farm, but the money from the sale could solve her problems and give her the stability she's always craved. As these two women navigate their present conundrum, they will discover a complex and entangled past full of secrets and the potential for a brighter future for both of them. So it was a, it was a great book and Beck and Callie uh, struggle with what their relationship is and why uh, Callie is named in the trust of Beck's father. So after he passed, he had a trust and Beck was expecting to inherit the entire farm because she's an only child. Oh, but when they actually get to the trust, Callie has also been named as co-owner with Beck in the farm. And they have no idea why, because Callie has no idea who this man is. And, and that's what Callie's struggling with is does she continue to aid her mother, come to her defense and, and help her with the cost for rehab one more time? Or does she let her mom deal with the situation that her mom has gotten herself into? Yeah. Because at this point, Callie is in her early 30s. So you're not talking about even a teenager.
1: No. It's
0: been going on for three decades. Her mother has been struggling.
1: Well, and to watch that. And if there's always somebody helping her out and saving the day with money for rehab, it's it's not like her mother has a lot invested in it. So it's right. easier for her to not stick with it, I'm sure. And it's one of those right. things, I guess, unless you actually care for yourself, you're probably not going to care just because somebody else puts you in rehab.
0: And she, so in this situation, her mother's been in and out of rehab for years, but her mother, this time it's her choice and her idea to go to rehab. So that's, that's one of the reasons that Callie is kind of hopeful that this yeah. is going to work out differently is because her mother actually wanted to go to rehab this time.
1: I thought would be a huge step.
0: And was, was really interested. But the trouble is that Callie is barely make, holding it together with her business. And she doesn't have the money to pursue her dreams and make sure that her mom gets through rehab. So when she's named in the trust for this farm, There's selling her. her half of the farm yeah. would go a long way to solving a lot of her financial issues.
1: Yes. That adds a nice layer of like personal need for that. And it raises the stakes for them for sure. And you said there were two quotes. What was the other one that you?
0: Uh, So the other one, and I don't have the exact quote, but it was more of a story that Beck in the very end, Beck tells Fern because they talk about bees. And she tells Fern that bees are wild creatures. They go out into a world of predators and pesticides and other dangers, and we can't keep them safe forever. We're called beekeepers, but really we just do the best we can to provide them a good home that they come back to when they're able. And when I heard that quote, that resonated with me so much because my oldest child will turn 18 in just a few weeks and will graduate from high school. And I just thought, well, isn't that parenting? Yeah. Um not that we're raising wild creatures, but we're not Well, hopefully not. that they keep them safe always. Yeah. Like we're we're called to take care of them and protect them as best we can. Um but eventually they do have to go out into the world. Mm-hmm. And there are predators and there are pesticides and we try to keep them as safe as we can from those dangers in the world provide a good home for them to come back to when they're able
1: those are good good quotes it does sound like both Beck and Callie are grieving um different things yes but I mean were their grieving processes similar were they different
0: Beck struggles with agoraphobia Mm. so her grieving process is to hold on to things so um, she's a bit of
1: a hoarder then
0: she, well, she just doesn't want things to change. Oh. Um, and she struggles with the emotion of grief and doesn't allow herself to show that because she's afraid that once she shows that that grief and that emotion that the panic attacks will set in. And Callie stuffs the emotions down and try, they both, they both stuff emotions and try not to deal with the emotions. Uh, Callie has had to be the strong person for so long with her mother That she's never really taken time for herself to grieve over her mother's relationship, over the life that she missed out on. Because her mother, she and her mother traveled a lot and her mother didn't have stability. Yeah. So she's never really allowed herself to grieve. So they they deal with it in similar ways because they stuff that grief down but then in different ways because Beck goes out and works in the farm and uh, Callie goes and sees a counselor.
1: Definitely very different ways of working through things and were you able to figure out how Callie and Beck were connected before the author revealed that to you?
0: But then there was still another piece of it that was really a surprise and it was a surprise to Callie too because Callie wasn't Completely sure about how she and Beck were connected as well. Well, Callie and Beck, neither one knew how they were connected.
1: Yeah. What would you say your biggest takeaway from the book was?
0: Relationships. Because they both, both Beck and Callie held a lot back and did not connect with people and they both grew a lot in the book and they were both able to make new connections and new friendships each of them end up with a um special man in their lives mm. so there was some romance going on not not lots of romance i think on the romance scale i would probably give it 3 roses Um, So nobody's getting engaged at the end, but there are. Which is
1: okay. That's okay to not be
0: engaged at the end. There are, there are some friendships developing and some kind of slow burn romance and it's a sweet romance. It's a sweet romance. Uh, So I, I really appreciated that.
1: Well, that's good and as far as the knives aspect goes On the
0: knives oh, I aspect it. i'd probably give it one knife i'm not even sure that i would count uh beck's father who died as a dead body because you don't see a dead body he's already passed when the book starts yeah but there is suspense so not not lots of dead body suspense so maybe two knives. I'll I'll adjust that. I'll give it two knives on the suspense end. Um, but it's a different kind of suspense than dead body suspense.
1: Okay. Well, it sounds like definitely a book worth reading and one that I will be keeping on my TBR pile because it is on there.
0: Oh, good. But. Good. Well, tell me what you thought about Jessica's book because I read it as part of her launch team and I love her work.
1: It was good. It's the first one of hers that I've ever read. I will um, just read the back cover copy so that we can have the full effect. It says deep in the Kentucky Hills, three women have been found brutalized and murdered, but the folks in night hauler have their own ways and their own laws. And they're not talking led to an isolated Appalachian mountain town by a trail of disturbing murders. FBI special agent, Violet rainwaters determined to catch a serial killer with a twisted agenda. With locals refusing to reveal their secrets, Violet's only ally is Detective John Orlando, but even John has an ulterior motive. He's convinced this case is connected to his wife's murder. As they dig deeper, Violet uncovers a link to her own unresolved past. For years, she's worked the cold case of her mother's abduction, which had led to her birth. The need to look into the eyes of the sinful man who fathered her consumes Violet. Until she can, she'll never have peace, because she's terrified she might be exactly like him. In this chilling novel, when the present collides with Violet's mysterious past and John's tragic loss, they must unravel the warped, sinuous connections before the killer strikes again. But solving the case might not be nearly as terrifying as the possibility that Violet's finally found her roots.
0: So what What did you think what it what made this book unique because I know you said that um that it was a little what it was the word you used terrifying or suspenseful yeah it was it was
1: that good kind of terrifying that it kind of sticks with you I did listen to it I didn't read it okay. um but And it also helped that whoever the speaker or the narrator for the book was, was really good. And that makes a huge difference too. Huge. But um, it was just, it was very action packed. And I liked that. mm, I I really liked being able to see into the villain's point of view. And just since he was a religious person, Like it was like religious things that drove him to do what he did. And I just think that's very interesting because I don't, it doesn't get talked about much in Christian fiction. I don't feel like, but like, look at what's his face. What's that guy's name with the Kool-Aid Jim Jones. Like he was a mass murderer and he was doing it for religious reasons. And just how, when you take the Bible and twist it, what can you come up with? It's just, it's terrifying. And then how do you even confront someone who's doing something for what they think are righteous reasons? They don't at all look at themselves as bad because, well, this is what the Bible says. Now it doesn't, but in their sick little twisted minds, it does. And I just, I don't know. I really liked that angle of it. It was very interesting just to see the twisted scriptures and how it led to just the brutality that was happening.
0: So if you're thinking. You think this would make a good movie. 100%. Who would you cast as the main characters?
1: For Violet Rainwater. I would probably cast Amanda Seyfried. Because I love her. And I feel like her range is so good. And I, I didn't watch all of it. Because it got kind of naughty. But um, there was that show on Apple. Apple TV. That was The Crowded Room. And she was the investigator on that show, and she was amazing. And so I just think she would be a very good Violet Rainwater. Absolutely her. And then as far as um, John Orlando goes, I normally I think my always pick for a male lead is going to be Chris Pratt. But in this case, I would say Jimmy Wolk, who was on... He was on a Hallmark movie, not not a Hallmark, Hallmark movie, like one of the Hallmark Hall of Fame movies um, about the teacher who had Tourette syndrome. And then he was also on You Again as Kristen Bell's brother. But he just has the kindest face. And I think he would have done a very good job as John Orlando.
0: Interesting ideas. I am not up on who everybody is in Hollywood. So I'm terrible at picking out main characters for movies.
1: Yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy.
0: As you got closer to the end, were you able to figure it out? Because I struggled a little bit.
1: Okay, so here's the thing. I was a little, I don't know the phraseology for it, but maybe I was a little hacked off until about halfway through because (laughs) I was reading it. And I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen. I know exactly what's going to happen because it felt to me very similar to psycho. And I, Alfred Hitchcock is my main dude. Like I love that man. And so I've watched psycho a lot. And so I'm like, I know exactly what's going to happen. I know. And then I got to the end and it was nothing like I thought was going to happen in the best possible way. And it, I did not see the end coming. Not at all. It was wonderful.
0: That's, yes, I I agree. And that's what I love about um, Jessica's work. And there is a previous book to this one with some of the main care, other main characters in there. Okay. And And it's it's good. It (laughs) is good as well. I think um, the one that you just read is probably a little more suspenseful than her first one. Uh, And she has another one The Garden Girls that is coming out in April, and I missed the deadline to be on the launch team for Uh, it, and I'm really sad. Uh, But uh, maybe when it comes out in April, we can have Jessica on our podcast.
1: We should, because I know I'm going to read that book. I'll probably read the one that was previous to this one too. But I've seen the cover of The Garden Girls, and it's delightful in the most creepy way possible.
0: Right? Yes, and. Jessica is a very kind person. She just writes really creepy books. So,
1: <laughs> Well, you know, that's good to know. Usually it's the kind <laughs> ones you've got to watch out for. It's
0: the kind ones that you have to watch out for. That is yes. it. That is it. Um, so what are you reading next?
1: Next, I will be reading The Lost, Lost Boys of Barlow Theater, I believe it's called, by Jamie Jo Wright.
0: Okay. Oh, I love Jamie Jo Wright too. I yes. don't know her personally, but I do love Jamie Jo Wright's work. Um, I forgot to ask you, what what's your scale of roses and knives?
1: Okay, knives. I've got to say 4. Because it was it was intense. The action was building the whole way through and it just felt like, I don't know, like it felt like there was a ticking clock and like seriously, we've got to figure out what's going on or we're all going to die. And so it would be a four for sure for the knife count. As far as roses go, I i mean, let's just be real about this. It was printed by Love Inspired. We know what right. we're getting into. <laughs> so I say there's probably four for romance. And I will say, I as you all know, I am not romantic at all. But it was well done in that they already knew each other from before. So it's not like, Oh my word, I just met this person and we're getting married. And so I appreciated that. And it wasn't like over the top gross. Like I get really skeeved out when it's like, he's just staring at her. There's a book I read one time. There is a child seizing on the ground and they're just looking at each other's hair. And it's like, for one, why hair? And for two, what is happening to this kid right at y'all's feet? Maybe we should do something about that before hair gazing. But this wasn't one of the hair gazing books. So I was very appreciative of that. So four and four. Four and
0: four. Yes. Um, that, that puts it right up there at the top for our um, books. It's got everything we're looking for.
1: Yes. it. Do- well, Yes. I don't mind a solid zero on the rose scale, but <laughs> I I can tolerate a well done rose here and there. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. What are you doing um, next?
0: I am gonna read One Little Lie by Colleen Cobble. Oh. Um I love Colleen Cobble to is that how you say your, say your last name? Is it th- Cobble or Cobble?
1: I think it might be Coble. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Phonetically, it should be. I don't know. It's been a while since I've taken fun. Phon-
0: Sorry, Colleen. I just got your last name. We on. love you so much. But she happens to listen to our podcast. <laughs> <so> I...
1: <laughs> yes. Whenever she listens to us, because we're going to be so famous. But I will say I've read that book and it was awesome. So you are in for a treat. Oh,
0: excellent. Um, I love her books and it looks like there's several in this series
1: yes and they're so all that
0: good. Be fun
1: yes it that will be wonderful be you'll have a lot to look forward to as you s- sit at home with all the snow surrounding you
0: i know um and with any luck maybe i'm gonna look into an audible book as well because i do like to listen to books on my drive into work mm-hmm. um i don't expect to be driving into work a lot this week because of the six inches of snow that we are expecting tonight but we'll we'll see what happens but i should have some time to read this week i'm looking forward to that
1: that will be good that'll be good good way to take that
0: time good way to spend that time yes 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 we will be productive and (laughs) spend it reading all right well i guess until next time um, I'm Hillary Hamblin, and you can find me on Facebook at Hilary P. Hamblin, and that's Hillary with one L. And my website is HilaryHamblin.com. And you can look at any of the other books that I've reviewed on my blog or on social media, and you can check out our snow pics from this week on social media, too.
1: And I am A.D. Lawrence. You can find me on Instagram at A.D.Lawrence. No, not dot. A dot. D. Lawrence underscore author or facebook i'm just ad lawrence so not a lot of punctuation and my website is adlawrencebooks.com i will be having a newsletter come out for the first time in way too long so if you want to subscribe to that there are some fun downloads that come along with that too
0: oh fantastic i forgot i do also have a, a newsletter that people can sign up for and i have a devotional that is a download that comes with that sounds good plenty of fun stuff to find on our websites come check us out